The Secret Church podcast is a resource from Radical.net. For The Secret Church 3 study guide and other resources that go along with this audio, visit Radical.net slash SC3. And this is Secret Church 3, Episode 2. So why do we need to study the Bible? And I think maybe we got all those phrases, but maybe one of the reasons we don't study the Bible is because we've never, never been told what the Bible really does. I want you to see some benefits, and really not even benefits, they're essentials. And I've got some verses here. First, because it's essential. Bible study is essential for spiritual growth. 1 Peter 2, 2. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. I want you to see what that means. Number one, we need this. Like a baby who needs milk. Got a young 18-month-old son and one on the way in five weeks. And there is a a need there for food. And it is clear at certain points during the day. There is a need for food. Not just a need, but we want it. We want it. We crave it. I love that word in 1 Peter 2 too. We crave it. We have a hunger for it. We want it. We need it for our spiritual lives. We want it. And we can't grow up without it. If we don't give little Caleb milk, if we don't give soon-to-be Joshua milk, then obviously they will be completely stunted in their growth. I give you a picture of the church of Jesus Christ apart from the pure milk of God's Word. Second, because it's essential, the Word is essential, and study of the Word is essential for spiritual maturity. Listen to what the author says in Hebrews 5. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. In fact, that both the Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to learn to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We need solid food even beyond the pure milk of God's Word. And then finally, because study of the Bible is essential for spiritual effectiveness. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, two of the most important verses about the Bible. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful, effective for these things, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love that phrase. All Scripture. All Scripture is useful. That includes Leviticus, and it includes Habakkuk. You remember, it includes Deuteronomy. You remember when Jesus was tempted three times in the desert by the devil. And each time, what did he do? He quoted from where? He quoted from Deuteronomy. What if your spiritual success this week was dependent on your knowledge of Deuteronomy? This is, this is the means by which we not only get to know God, but we become useful in God's hands I'm guessing that all of us have at some point in our spiritual journey wondered or thought, I, I wish I, I wanted, to, I want to be more effective. I wish I could be more effective in my life with Jesus Christ. The word is the key for that. The word is the key for that. It's essential for spiritual effectiveness. Now, who can study the Bible? And the good news is anyone can study the Bible. Anyone in this room can study the Bible. The difference is only those who have the spirit of Christ can understand the Bible. And this is the key. It's a key across this room. I know that there are hundreds and hundreds of people in here tonight. And anyone can study this book. But unless you have come to the point in your life where you have trusted in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, and he has put his spirit in you, then you will never be able to understand this book. 
This is what 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 14 says. Go about halfway down and listen to what it says. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. We need the Spirit of God to understand the Bible. The Spirit has done a few things and does a few things with the Word. First of all, the Spirit inspired, inspired the Word, and this is key. The Spirit, just like we saw in 2 Timothy 3, breathed this Word and has given it to us, just as He gave it to them a couple thousand years ago. He's given us this Word. Now, the thing is, this Bible, this book is the inspired Word of God, and we don't need to add any other books that are inspired by Him. This is enough for us. The Spirit inspired this book, and God is not in heaven thinking, I really wish I would have added some things to this book to help people out in the 21st century. He's given us all we need. The Spirit has given us all we need to grow in Christ. That is huge because there are questions we have that are not answered in this this book that sometimes we want to be answered. But we've got to trust that that God has given us everything we need through His Spirit. He inspired the Word. Second, the Spirit illuminates the Word. What happens is when you begin to study the Word, the Spirit of God is right there helping you to understand it, illuminating, opening your eyes and your heart to see it. And the Spirit instructs us in the Word. He instructs us. The Spirit shows us how this Word applies to each of our lives. That leads us to this next picture. How do we study the Bible? First of all, this is overview, but it is so foundational. We study the Bible prayerfully. I want to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that when you sit down to study the Bible, you never study the Bible alone. It is a divine interaction with the Holy Spirit of the God of the universe that's going on in your bedroom or going on in your kitchen or going on in this room tonight. The Spirit of God. And as a result, we study the Bible prayerfully. We study the Bible in conversation with God. Second, we study the Bible humbly. We study the Bible humbly. We want to know God. We want to submit our lives to His Word. And we've got to ask the question, whenever we come to the Word, we've got to ask, do we really want to know Him? Are we humbling ourselves before this book? Third, we study the Bible carefully. Here's what I mean by that, and this is the crux of a lot of the things we're going to talk about tonight. Bible study is a journey into this book, and we've got to be careful where we step. We don't want to misinterpret this book. We don't want to twist this book to make it say things it was not intended to say. We've got to study the Bible carefully. We've got to look at passages like Leviticus that say you're not supposed to wear anything that are made of two different types of fabric. And we've got to ask the question, well, what does that really mean? Does that mean only 100% cotton for me from here on out? When we look at Matthew chapter 14 and we see Peter walking on the water, we've got to realize is that this means we need to do some really interesting, brave things next summer out of the pool. We've got to ask ourselves the question, what does this book mean? That means we've got to study the Bible carefully in order to understand the text rightly. Next, we study the Bible joyfully. Psalm 119, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. This is the thrill of personal discovery. Next, we study the Bible simply. And I want to pause here for a second. And I want to say that everything we're doing tonight is designed so that you would be able to walk away and just between you, the Holy Spirit, and this book be able to study the Bible. And what that means is I'm not going to talk much tonight about other resources that we can use to help us study the Bible. 
And I hesitate to do that because those resources are available to every single one of us in this room, whether it's on the internet or different books. And I've included at the very back of your guide some recommended resources to help in that. And if we have those resources available to us, we need to use them. Bible dictionaries or handbooks, overviews of the New Testament or the Old Testament, different things. However, our brothers and sisters around the world don't always have the liberty of having those resources. And so the time we're going to study together tonight is going to be based around simply you, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit. What can happen in that interaction? Study the Bible simply. I want us to be able to walk out of here and say anyone who can read can do what we've talked about tonight. Third, study, or not third, I don't know what number we're on. Study the Bible confidently. The Holy Spirit is in you to enable you to do this, ladies and gentlemen. It is an overwhelming task in some ways, but the beauty of it is God himself has put his very presence in you to enable you to do this. Next, study the Bible consistently. I want us to be equipped to study every text of every book here. I want us to be freed up from having to skip over the text that just won't, don't make sense to us, shrugging our shoulders and say, let me go back to John 3.16 because I got my arms around that one. I want us to stop isolating text for study of the Word and really understand how to get into every single text. We need a, a method, so to speak, that we can apply to every single text. That's the goal tonight. Study the Bible diligently. And this is huge. Learning to study the Bible will not happen overnight. There's some people who think, well, I'm a Christian. I have the Spirit of God in me. You said that, Dave. So I don't have to do anything when it comes to interpreting the Bible. It just happens. I can just read and it just happens. That's just flat out spiritually lazy. God has given you a mind to take with his word and really dive into what it means. It doesn't just happen automatically. It's going to take work for us to really get into the truths of the Bible. The Bible does not yield its fruit to the lazy. We study the Bible diligently. Next, we study the Bible intentionally. And let me even go back up to diligently for just a second. I think this is what we do. We lead someone to Christ and then we give them a Bible and act like they're going to know exactly what to do with it. And the result is 30 years later, some of us are sitting here because somebody did to that to us, and this is the first time we're learning how to study the Bible. That is a huge mistake in the church. We are robbing people of the joy of walking with Christ if we do evangelism like that. Study the Bible diligently. Intentionally, I want to encourage you, always study the Bible with the Word and a pen or pencil and a notebook in your hand. If God is going to speak to you, I want to encourage you to be ready to write it down. And so, so be ready to take the message as you get into it. We need to, and some of you think, well, I don't have anything deep to write down. Just, just give it a shot. Just see. My most valuable possession, one of the most valuable possessions that I lost when our house went underwater in Hurricane Katrina was years and years of journaling through the Word. And those pages, I tried to, tried to figure out how to save them, and it just was impossible. They just, uh, they were just molded. Uh, and it was so humbling to lose some of those things. And I, I treasured them because they represented my spiritual journey for so many years. I encourage you to have that. Study the Bible intentionally. Study the Bible personally. The danger is if we don't learn to study the Bible, we will spend our entire Christianity living in proxy to a relationship with God. We will be living our life with Christ vicariously through this preacher or that preacher, vicariously through this teacher or that teacher. Try to, try to do a marriage like that. Loving your husband or getting to know your wife 
through someone else. That does not work. It is personal, one-on-one interaction. That's what happens in Bible study. And nothing can substitute for the kind of personal interaction we have with God through his word. I'm convinced when we get into it, we will fall in love directly with the author of this book. And we will find that our lives are living under the authority of this book. And when the authority and power of this word combines together with a humble heart that wants to know what it's saying, that kind of combination, I'm convinced, can change the world. So let's do it. Let's figure out how to study this, this book. There's a few dangerous approaches to Bible study that we've got to avoid. Dangerous approaches to Bible study that we have to avoid. Number one, I call the emotional approach. What feels right to me? This is a dangerous way to study the Bible, to go to a text of Scripture and say, all right, what feels like it works best for me? What feels good to me when I walk away from this? The only problem is if you want to have what feels right, you will skip over all kinds of texts in the Bible because some kinds of texts just don't incite the kind of good, mushy feelings that you desire from Bible study. You begin reading about the wrath of God in the prophets of the Old Testament and you will not walk away feeling great. You read Lamentations and you will just flat out be depressed. We can't base our understanding of Scripture on what feels right to us. We've got to avoid the emotional approach. Second, the spiritual approach. Asking the question, what deep, hidden meaning is there for me? The result is when we do that, we come to the Word and we say, okay, it seems like it means this, but let's find out what it really, 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 really means. And we start to pick it apart. We begin to twist it to kind of figure out, you know, that we do this in dynamics in our relationships sometimes. Whenever somebody speaks to us, we're saying, okay, I'm hearing what he's saying, but what does he really mean by that word? And this, oh, I don't know if she meant this that way or that way. And, and there's a part of that that's good. We want to find out what it means. But if we keep digging into it too much, we all know the danger of over-analysis that happens in relationships when that is there. So we've got to avoid the spiritual approach, looking for this deep hidden meaning. Third, the pragmatic approach. What works best for me? Going to the Bible to try to find what fits best with each of our lives. This is a self-centered, arrogant way to study the Bible, and it misses the whole point of discovering God's truth. We've got to avoid a pragmatic approach that says, my life I'm going to live how I want, and I'm going to use the Bible to justify how I want. That is an extremely dangerous way to live Christianity, and it's happening all across our country today. Using the Bible to justify our lives instead of justifying our lives, instead of diving into the, this book and seeing what it determines for our lives. Finally, the superficial approach, and I would say this is the most common approach, dangerous approach to studying the Bible, and it's asking the question this, what does this passage mean to me? What does this mean to me? We've all been in a situation where we sit around in a Bible study, maybe with a small group, and we read a passage of Scripture, and the first question that comes out of the leader's mouth is, well, what does this verse mean to you? And so all of a sudden you go into a discussion where people are sitting around and saying all the different things that this verse means to them. The problem is it quickly congeals into a pool of ignorance. A lot of people sitting around saying what they think the word says, and they've never asked the question, what did the Holy Spirit actually mean in this particular passage? We've got to be careful. I'm not saying, now follow me here, I'm not saying that each verse is going to apply the exact same way to every single one of our lives. That's application. But when we come to this word, this is a Holy Spirit-inspired book. And when the Holy Spirit gave these words, he meant something. And the goal of Bible study is to get to what the Holy Spirit meant. And then, once we see that we're not concerned about what the 
verse means for you, and you're not concerned about what the verse means to me, we're con- concerned about what the verse means according to the Holy Spirit of God. And once that happens, then we're freed up to think about how it applies differently to our lives. But we're not asking the question, what does this mean to me? We're asking the question, what does this verse mean? Now, that means we've really got to do something. That leads us to a dependable approach to Bible study. And this right here is going to be the foundation for everything we talk about tonight. A foundational process, so to speak. And I want to use a parallel in order to help us imagine this dependable approach to Bible study. I want you to imagine going on a mission trip to another country. Say you're going to a place like Asia or Southeast Asia. And if you're going to go on a mission trip, and there are some things, a process you're going to need to walk through in going into another culture like that. First, you're going to observe their home. When you get there, you're going to start looking around, asking the question, what do I see? What do I see? You're going to look at how they interact. In some countries, you're going to see them going up and greeting each other by shaking hands. In some countries, you're going to see them walking around all the time holding hands. In some countries, you're going to walk up and you're going to see them greeting each other by kissing each other on the cheek. It's important to know what's going on in that culture when you see those different things. You've got to look at how they eat. Sometimes they eat with their hands. Sometimes they eat with only their right hand and never their left hand. You're observing this. You're looking at this unfold. Sometimes they eat with chopsticks, sometimes with forks and knives. In the Middle East recently when we were there, there was a a picture of what happens when you get around with all the men after dinner and they take a little cup, just about that big, a little cup of, of coffee. They pour some coffee in there, some very heavy Lebanese coffee, and they come around the room and they hand it to you. And you say, oh, okay, thank you. And, and you drink the coffee. Even if you don't like coffee, you drink the coffee. And once you've taken a drink of the coffee and you hand it back, then he pours it some more. And then he hands it back to you. Oh, okay, yes, thank you. Thank you. And you drink it, and then, then you give it back. And he pours you some more. And you, okay, th- thank you, thank you. And, and you start drinking it until you realize that there is a pattern here. When you give this cup back, if you shake it, he will not give it back to you. If you just give it back to him, that's a sign that you want more. Okay, well, that's helpful. That's helpful. (laughs) You won't be up all night on Lebanese coffee as a result of just shaking the deal. You look at how they relate to one another in India, so to speak. In India, I don't know if you've ever been to India, and and maybe some of you are from India in here tonight, but a lot of the times uh, you look and you see this mannerism that when somebody's talking, when you're talking to someone, they will be looking back at you, and they do kind of a, a bobblehead thing. And I don't know if you've ever, ever seen this, but they, it, it's kind of this, your shoulders are not moving, uh, but it's just this, like, you might try it. It's just kind of, <laughs> it's this bobblehead thing going on. And so you're looking, and they're doing this right here. And you're like, okay, all right, it kind of looks like they're shaking their head back and forth. So you're observing this. And in some countries, it's, it's very common to keep some personal space between you and the person you're talking to. In some countries, they're right in your face and they're talking to you. So you're observing all of these things. But not just observing their home, what do I see? We've got to understand their home. We've got to ask the question, what does it mean? We see people walking around holding hands in a country. In this particular culture, like Sudan, for example, or parts of the Middle East, and you're walking around holding hands when a man grabs your hand, it's It's a good thing. This is a sign of his friendship. Obviously, in other cultures, that would be a sign of something completely different. When you go up and you begin kissing this man in front of you, that means one thing in the Middle East, and it means something completely different in other cultures. 
When, when you see that bobblehead thing going on in India, that's usually a sign that they are agreeing with you, kind of like how we kind of nod our heads yes when somebody's talking. That's their way of doing it. But it looks like they're saying no. And so <laughs> there's a story about one missionary who was trying to pay for his taxi ride in India. And he said, now, I'm not sure how much this is. Is this enough? And the guy looked at him and did that thing right here. So he said, okay. Uh, <laughs> How about, how about this? And the guy looked at him and kind of smiled and did this right here. And uh, he kept giving him money until finally he realized, you know, this guy is saying, yes, this is more than enough. So that's important to know. What do these different things mean? What do these different things mean? Not just seeing them, but what do they mean? Why do they only eat with their right hand in some countries? Well, the left hand is considered unclean. And I'll let you fill in the blank and how that might be considered unclean. All right? Uh, yeah. Next. We observe their home, and then we got to understand what these things mean. What is it? Not, not only what do I see, but what does that mean? And then third, bring it back home. How does it relate? And this is when you're leaving that country, you get on the plane, and you start to think, okay, what did I learn in that culture that's going to affect the way I live back in this culture? I know I was so challenged leaving the Middle East just a couple of months ago. I was so challenged when it came to hospitality. Those people were some of the most hospitable people I had ever met before in my entire life. And I began to think, how am I that hospitable? If I have Christ in me, and these were Muslims who were so hospitable to me, how is that going to affect me? Bring it back home. How does it relate? And then finally, apply it in your home. Okay, what do I do? How is my life here going to be different as a result of what I've seen? What do I do? Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes from Secret Church and thousands of other free resources from David Platt at Radical.net.